As we read these verses together in chapter number 1, I want you to know that this is the inspired Word of God. We believe that every Word of God is pure. We believe it's preserved. It's infallible. It's incorruptible. And I believe that the Apostle Paul was moved by the Holy Ghost to pin these words to the church at Thessalonica. But I want you to know as we read these verses today that this is how I feel about you. And I really mean it. I love you. I'm so thankful for this church. And uh, <laughs> I'm not an emotional person. Uh, but thank God for White Graves Baptist Church. Thank God for Pastor Will Allen and the investment in my life, in my family's life. And I tell you what, uh, we, we want to we be more like you. Amen. And that's not emulation. That's just biblical Christianity. And I just, I thank God for you. I really am. And I, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, what an honor, Pastor, to have me come preach Pastor Appreciation. And I'm surprised that I was called upon. See, and I hadn't been here, you know, in like a hundred and something Sundays. But uh, they'll let anybody preach around here. So <laughs> let's read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 2. And remember what I said. This is what I think about y'all. Verse number 2, the Bible says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God and our Father. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name this morning. We thank you for... Uh, your will and your ways. God, we pray, God, you'd help us as we look to your word this morning. Help us receive the love of the truth. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd help me remember those things that I've studied. Lord, you'd help me to accurately and expositorily uh, preach the word this morning, God, that I'd say everything that you want me to say and nothing that you don't. And I pray, Father, that uh, these people are encouraged, exhorted, admonished where they may need to be. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. The, the Bible here in 1 Thessalonians tells us of a great church. A great church. Not just a we're getting along church. Not just a we're trying to do the right thing church. This is a great church. And honestly, I, I think about this church. And there is not another church that I know of that does more for the Lord in our area. And there is a, a big, bright, shining light over here in Ranger, Georgia, and it's called White Graves Baptist Church. And you know what? People have accused me of trying to turn grace into White Graves Baptist Church. Would you believe that? And uh, they think that's an insult. And I say, so, so you're saying that I'm, I'm trying to make this church more biblical? Thank God. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad White Graves Baptist Church is is a Bible-believing church, a Bible-preaching church, a Bible-centered church. And, and the, the people here are biblically serving in this church. And amen, I, I tell you what, thank God when I'm having a tough day, and there's, those, those come you know, quite often for me, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. When I have a tough day, I know there's a, there's a group down here that I can look to, that I can ask help from, that, that can pray for me. Amen. Thank God. I'm so glad for White Graves Baptist Church. And, and I've learned recently that you guys have reached cult status. That's pretty neat. 
This is a cult. Amen. Praise God. Y'all help me. I've been telling everybody at Grace that I'm going down there to preach at that cult. You know what? If you are making that big of an impact on the community, you know what you're doing? You're fulfilling your calling as a church. Amen. You know why people call you a cult? Because the things that happen here change your life. And that's the kind of church that you need. You don't need a a lukewarm church. You don't need a half-hearted church. You need a church that's going to get in your business. You need a preacher that's going to preach hard against sin, preach about being holy. Amen? And that's what's taking place here at White Grace Baptist Church. And that's what we're seeing here in 1 Thessalonians. Now, the church that we're reading about here had, had no doctrinal error. Thank God. As far as I know, there's no doctrinal error going on around here. And if there were, it wouldn't go on long. As far as I know, there's no immorality going on in 1 Thessalonians, and as far as I know, there's no immorality going on here in this church. There's no corruption. In fact, as we read through this epistle, each chapter ends with a note of rejoicing about the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that around here, the coming of the Lord is mentioned often. And and we're exhorted to look to Him and, and to be mindful of His soon return. Now, we see all these wonderful things about this church, but as great of a church as it is, as great of a church that White Graves Baptist Church is, they've not arrived. And you've not arrived. And I don't say that as if I have arrived. But that's what the Scripture is getting at. So, we transition from a great church to chapter number 5. If you'll turn with me to chapter number 5. Chapter number 5 begins to remind these Thessalonians that the time is short. It says in chapter 5, verse number 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren... Ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And you know, we always need to keep in the forefront of our mind that Jesus could come today. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 3, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And so we ought to be concerned about our walk with the Lord. And you know what? There is always room, no matter how great you may be, there is always room for improvement. And and if, if you get to the place to where you think that you have no need of improvement, I can tell you, you are on the precipice of disaster. And White Graves Baptist Church needs some improvement. Amen? As great as it is, it needs some improvement. And that's not, that's not a rebuke. That's not a reproof. That's just what the Bible says. And in chapter 5 and verses 14 through 22, there are 12 specific things that the church is exhorted to practice in their walk. We can read a couple of these. Verse number 14, the Bible says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, 
Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. We all say a hearty amen to everything that was said right there. We ought to do all of those things. We ought to make that the pattern of our life. We, the, you know what the Bible says? You would believe that the Bible says this, how most Christians are nowadays, but the Bible says, Be ye holy as I am holy. You know what God wants Christians to be? He wants Christians to be holy, not worldly. I, 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 I'm, just telling, I'm just telling my heart this morning, I am sick to death of people talking about, well, we're just supposed to love them. We are supposed to love them. Amen? We're supposed to love them that way they can learn how to be like Jesus. Amen? We're supposed to show them, hey, hey, listen, I love you so much that you ought not be doing that. Let me show you a better way. Amen? I'm not going to try to be like them to make them feel better. Amen? I need to get back to the message. <laughs> Amen. Well, but, but, but Jesus Christ wants us to be conformed to His image. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest a man should boast. But we usually stop right there. Verse number 10 says we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which we are before ordained that we should walk in them. God wants us to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And, and, and as, but as, as important as all of those lists of things are, as, as serious as it is to live a life that is pleasing in the sight of God, before we can ever perfect our practice, Paul beseeches the Thessalonians not to become too big for their britches. See, the Thessalonians were just like y'all. They cherished God's Word. They walked by faith. They sought God's will, all while being heavily involved in missions and evangelism. They were not baby Christians. I do not believe that the brethren that are before me today are baby Christians. From you sounded out the Word of God on the corner in the jail, door knocking every which way you could possibly think, preaching from the Bible, hear from the pulpit, teaching you in personal devotions, showing you by practical example how to live, all of those things. What a wonderful thing. But as you progress in your walk with the Lord, as these Thessalonians progressed in their walk with the Lord, Paul recognized one thing about it. There, as you learn more, there is going to come a temptation to disregard the one that brought you that far. It's, it's like teaching your child. And after they learn the basics, they don't think they need you anymore. Isn't that true? You show them how to do something. No, I got it, I got it, I don't need you anymore. And, and in our Christian walk, God has placed over us a man, 
And that man has brought us along through the preaching and the example of living God's Word. And I can honestly say that through the ministry of this church, but even, even on a more intimate nature, on an intimate scale, the ministry of Pastor Will Allen, that, that, that's, where, that's why I am where I am. That's, that's, that's how I'm able to do what I'm able to do. When, when I look at you, I see the product of his labor. And I'm not trying to put everything on him. But if you'll, if you'll look back, you look at your life before you started coming to this church, before you started getting around these people, you weren't doing what you were doing for God. You weren't, you weren't living as holy as you're living now. You weren't provoked to be as clean in your thought life as you are now. But we, we get to the place where we think, well, I've got this figured out, preacher. Listen, you, just, you need to back off of me. We get to that place in our heart. And it's a bad place to get. Ultimately, that kind of attitude in a great church will lead to a busted up church. Sooner rather than later. And you know what happens when there's a busted up church? There won't be anything going on for the Lord. It'll be done. It'll be dead. It'll be dissembled. And so, before Paul gets to all these things these Thessalonians need to be doing... He beseeches them. And it says in chapter 5 and verse number 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I find it interesting, in verse number 14, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren. But in verse number 12, he says, We beseech you. You know what beseeching is? It's a humble request. You know what an exhortation is? It's a command to do. And there's some things that God has commanded us to do, but there's some things that God has said that only happen through volunteering. And, and what the Bible is asking you to do today, as great as you are and as, as good as your walk with the Lord is, is to continue to volunteer to fall under the leadership of Pastor Will Allen. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how great you may think that you are, no matter how many Bible verses that you have memorized, no matter how many people that you have witnessed to, no matter how many jail services that you get to preach in, no matter how many times you've been out there on the street corner holding gospel signs and preaching the Word of God, no matter how you've changed your dress or changed your entertainment or changed your style or, or whatever it may be, no matter how far you've come, the Bible says, and don't forget. Respect the man that got you to where you are. It's a voluntary submission to leadership. Now listen, this is, this is not a rebuke. This is not a reproof. This is not an apostle lording himself over the assembly. It's a brother reasoning with the brethren. It's a humble 
request. If you want to be the best Christian that you can be, if you want to be the most effective church you can be for Jesus Christ, the first thing that you need to do is fall in line with the leadership. Nobody's forcing you, but it is the prerequisite to a victorious Christian life. I'm telling you this morning, there are no successful Christians who have not voluntarily submitted themselves to the pastor and the teacher of a local church. And you may be thinking, well, that's just what the preacher says. Well, actually, in Ephesians chapter number 4, which is a book in the Bible, says, this is, this is speaking of the Lord Jesus. It says, and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And you know why He did that? That way you can have somebody micromanaging your life. No. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, you know what that means to build up, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And this is the only avenue that God has authorized and blessed for the growth of a Christian. If you are a Bible believer, you will obey your overseer. Now I know, I know, the word obey is a bad word. We take it out of our vows when we get married, and we take it out of the pulpit when we preach. But the Bible still says in Hebrews chapter number 13, to obey them that have the rule over you. And you may be thinking, well, well, how do I know if he's right? And how do I know that he's, what if he's doing that? That's why we have qualifications. That's why we make sure that before a man is put as, by God as a pastor of a church, that he meets the Lord's standard, not man's standard, that he meets the Lord's standard. And when he meets the Lord's standard, that means that he's going to do what the Lord told him to do, and that means... He's going to preside over the assembly. And, and you know what? God has given you a man who loves you. God has given you a man that cares about you. And if he's got your best interest at heart, it would be in your best interest to follow his leadership. It's a hard time arguing with that, isn't it? It says in chapter... 5, verse number 12, We beseech you, brethren, a humble request, voluntary submission, to know, to know them. Not just acknowledgement, but communion with. Not just a head knowledge, but a personal relationship. That's how, that's how people end up in hell, by the way. They've got a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. They, they think they know all the facts. They've got them in their mind, but they haven't had a personal relationship from the heart with the Lord Jesus. Amen? You, the Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth is confession made unto salvation. So it's not just an acknowledgement. It's a relationship. Well, in the same way, God wants us to know our overseer. He wants us to have a personal relationship with Him. God wants us to fellowship and interact with 
the pastor. And if you don't take the time to get to know him, you will get an unbalanced picture of his personality and his ministry. I know he preaches hard. Thank God. Isn't that good? Thank God for hard preaching. I'm not a hard preacher. I'm not Pastor Allen. I'm not going to try to pretend to be him. But thank God for hard preaching. Amen. I need it. And it helps me. But if you don't take the time to get to know him, you may think that he doesn't care about you. You may think that he's just up here riding one of those Hobby Lobby horses. Isn't that what they call him? You know what? You'll find out if you start talking to him. If you start, well, instead of rushing out of here as quick as you can, and I don't know most of y'all don't do that, but instead of trying to get out of here as quick as you can, you stop at the door, shake his hand. Hey, preacher. Hey, pastor. How are you doing today? What, you think we could sit down and talk? Think we could fellowship? Think we, I, I, you know what I bet? If you said that, I think he'd say yes. I feel like he would. He always said yes to me when I asked. I don't know why he wouldn't say yes to you. Maybe you don't like him. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just But you'll find out there is a difference between this communication and this communication. It's exhortation versus entreaty. There's, there's a way to exhort the church to speak to a crowd and to admonish people in a group. But that's not how He's going to talk to you one-on-one. Because He loves you. He cares about you. Know Him. Fellowship with Him. You know, and I'm going to use an example, something that's, that's happened recently. There's a dear sister in our church, and you don't know her, and I'm not going to name her name, so it don't matter. But, but she was upset with me about a whole lot of stuff. Now, none of it bothered me because I didn't know she was upset with me. In fact, everything that she was upset with me about was not true. None of it was real. It is something that she had came up with on her own. And she had allowed her mind, to formulate these imaginations about me. And you know what we did the other day? And it wasn't because I thought there was something up. We was just being hospitable. My wife and I, was Wednesday night service was over, and we're liberals, so we get out real early. So we still had time to go to the Mexican restaurant. Amen? And, And so we said, hey, sister, you want to come with us? My wife was with me, by the way. Amen? Lay aside all appearance evil is still a real thing. Amen. Uh, but we got to talking, we was fellowshipping, and, and, and there, there was no issue, and all of a sudden this, this thing was brought up. And, and it, just, it just kind of fell out of her mouth, and I'm glad it did. I believe it was the Lord. But we got to discussing that thing, and you know what she found out? She was wrong about me. She was completely wrong. And you know how she got to that place? Lack of fellowship, lack of communication. She wasn't involved. She she wasn't communicating with her pastor like she ought. 
You know how you're going to end up sideways with a preacher? If you don't talk to him. If you don't know him. The Bible says, we beseech you, brethren, know them. Know them. You know what I, I like when, when I was here? Is I just went everywhere with a preacher. I did. You know what you ought to do? You ought to go where he goes. You ought to be where he bees, if that's the kind of thing. You know what? You ought to ask, how can I be involved in all these things they've got going on during the week? How, how, you know what? There's been many nights we'd get together. We'd ride over there to the Chatsworth County Jailhouse. Sweet fellowship. Good times. Not getting back till 11 because they won't let us in for some reason. We're sitting there for an hour and a half waiting to go preach for 45 minutes. But that's okay. We're sitting there fellowship and having a good time. You know what I, in, in those circumstances, I got to know my pastor. And it was a blessing. And that way, when, when I got to know him and understand him, when he preached at me, I didn't take it the wrong way. Because I understand who he was. You ought to know. You ought to know your preacher. He ought to be your friend, not your enemy. Now, the Bible goes on to give four specific ways in which you should know your pastor. Speaking of that, pastor, I don't know when you want me to stop. Okay, all right, all right. David, all right. All right. There are four specific areas that Paul wants us to know about the pastor. It says here in verse number 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. You know what you ought to know about your pastor? His work. You, you should ask him sometime about his study life. You should ask him, Pastor, what does it look like for your preparation for a sermon? What does it look like as far as how it takes time to get a Sunday school lesson together? And I'm, I'm telling you the truth this morning, I am, I'm telling you the truth. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, trying to get three to four messages ready a week. Fresh, understandable, edifying thing. And I'm saying it's harder, it was, it's harder to do that than it is. And I'm not making light of anybody that does physical labor, I'm telling you. But I've been on both sides of this thing. It's harder to do that than it is to work 60 hours a week in the middle of the summer welding with all my clothes on with no air conditioning. It's harder. It's more exhausting. It's more taxing. It takes a lot of labor to get those things ready for you. You may only see a 45-minute message. <laughs> this is white grace. You may only see an hour and a half message. But you don't know the hours and the hours of study and prayer that took place for that to happen. You ought to ask him about it. You should know his work. You should know his labor. And don't forget everything that's involved with administrating the activities going along around here and the events, the outreaches, dealing with sin in the church. You know why you don't know about sin in the church? You know why there's not sin in the church? Because it gets dealt with. You know why this church isn't sideways? Because you've got a pastor that's looking out and making sure there's no creeps creeping in here and there's no sin getting swept under the rug. You need to know what he's doing. You need to know how hard he's working. And, and listen, that's, that's not even 
to go into all the times he's counseling somebody from L.A.J. That doesn't go into all the times that he's answering Bible questions or, or helping people with their family circumstances. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of labor. And, and I'll tell you, if you aren't honed in on your pastor's labor, you will never appreciate what he does. You'll get to thinking that all he does is sit around in the office and play video games. Now, if you know what he does, you're thinking, how could anybody think that? You know how somebody can think that? They don't know what he's doing. They don't know his work. You ought to know your pastor's work, but you ought to know his weakness. The Bible says, brethren, excuse me, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. He's not above you. He's not below you. He's among you. We should all keep in mind this morning that the pastor is one of us. He's got faults. He's got failures. He battles with his flesh, his finances, his family, just like you do. And if you're searching for an inconsistency in his life, you know what? You're going to find it. If, if you're looking for shortcomings, you will see them. But my suggestion this morning is that everyone ought to be looking for those things in themselves. If you're looking for your faults and you're looking for your failures, if you're busy asking God to help you with your problems, you won't have time to find anybody else's. Thank God for a man sold out to serving the Lord. But you know what? The Bible does say a man at his best state is altogether vanity. He said, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. The just man falleth seven times. He is not sinless. And you've got to be aware of the fact that God still set him over you. For all of the times you may spot some, some defect or some blemish in his life does not take away from the fact that he preaches the word of God to you does not take away from the fact that He's leading you and you ought to follow Him as He follows Christ. You ought to know His work. You ought to know His weakness. But you ought to know His watchings. So as the Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, to know them which are among... Excuse me, know them... To know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. You know what? This morning... Somebody's got to be in charge. Someone has to set the course of the ship. Otherwise, the church would just drift off into the middle of the sea, being tossed about with what everybody thinks about it. I know you've got good ideas. I do. And I, and I know that you mean well. But there are just certain ways that this place is going to operate and the one that's going to make those decisions about how it operates is the pastor. Let me, let me give a personal testimony. I love everybody at Grace Baptist Church. They're a blessing and they've been a source of encouragement to me. They've been a source of growth. Amen. 
I don't know if that's from strangling my neck and making me taller. Sometimes I feel that way. They love the Lord, and I, I've learned that there's a lot of things about them that they, that's just the way they've been taught. That's just the way they've always done it. And you know, most of those people over there are my grandparents' age. And you know what they were taught growing up? That compromise is more important than conviction. And so I've got to battle with this, you know, understanding where they're at while also still holding the line. And there's just some things that we're not going to do, and it's because I said so. Let me give you an example. They want to do CDs in the church. They want to, they want to play CDs in the church. And they're on me about it all the time. And I tell them no. I tell them no. And I explain to them about it. And they're not mean. They're not ugly about it. They're just, they're just seeing if they can persuade me. And they're not going behind my back. They're coming to me. Thank God for that. That's good. They're not trying to form a group behind my back and overthrow the, 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 the way that I do things and finally install a CD player up there. That's not what they're trying to do. But we're not going to go that way. We're not going to do that thing. Is it a sin to use CDs in the church? No. Is it a compromise to use CDs in the church? Maybe not, probably. Do I have a scripture that backs up that says, Thou shalt not use CD tracks in the church? No, but I wish it was there. I wish it was. But you know what? Those people are just going to have to accept the fact that as long as I'm the pastor there at that church, that's how it's going to be. And that's not me trying to lord it over them. That's not trying to me, me trying to be a dictator. Somebody has got to set the standard somewhere. And that's just a small thing. But that's a good reminder this morning that standards are good things. You put standards up, it keeps stuff from falling out of the trailer when you're going down the road. And you know what? Sometimes those standards need to have that ratchet strap of conviction around them. And that way, they don't move around when you're going down the road. And there's just some things that Pastor Allen has said, we're putting a standard here. And, and this area over here is so important. This whole Bible version stuff, we're going to put a ratchet strap on that. It ain't moving. And this whole music stuff, we're going to put a ratchet strap on that. We're going to make sure that nobody comes in here trying to teach some false doctrine. We're going to put a ratchet strap over here on the fundamentals of the faith. That way, no matter how long we go down the road or how rough the road gets, those things aren't going to change. But somebody's got to set the standard. Somebody's going to say, we're, we're going here, we're not going there. We're doing this, we're not doing that. It's not a power trip, it's just pastoring. Now, let's be honest about it this morning. Who should make the final call about the church and its activities? The person who has devoted their life and their family to the study and ministry of God's Word? Or should we just go about how you feel and think about it? It's not a rebuke. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. We don't have that philosophy when it comes to anything else. We go get our car worked on. We go to the doctor. 
And we don't tell the doctor as he's trying to diagnose us and give us treatment, well, I don't think you're doing it the right way. Let me tell you. None of us do that. I, I don't know anything about working on a car. Ask my wife. But I've never went to the mechanic shop as the guy's working on my car and thought, well, you're not doing it right. I don't know anything about it. I don't know. This guy spent, he's went to college to, to do the, the stuff to the car, and as long as he gets enough blinker fluid in there, that's all I'm worried about. Okay? That's it. And he said it's 50% off. Who, who, who should make the final decision of the church? The pastor. The, and, and that's what the Bible says. So we see his, his, his work. We see his weakness. He's just a man. Amen. We see his watchings. God has set him over this assembly to help keep things in line, help keep you going the right direction. We see his warnings. The Bible says, And beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Admonish you. You know, over there in Jeremiah, in chapter number 42, God tells the preacher to warn the people of Israel not to go back down into Egypt. Because if they go back down into Egypt, He's going to destroy them with everything that they're afraid they're going to deal with right there where they're supposed to be. And so, the man of God admonishes the people and it's up to them whether they want to listen or not. But you know what? At the end of the day, whether you decide to go back down into Egypt or not, it's not going to hurt the preacher. It's going to hurt you. And so he's going to, he's going to warn you about your life. He's going to warn you when he sees you go in the wrong direction. He's going to warn you from the Scripture about certain areas, certain things to keep away from. He's going to do that. that that's, that's his job. I'm telling you, this, this Bible is a real book this morning. And it's going to deal with real problems. And nine times out of ten, the pastor, if he's preaching the Word of God, and this one does, I know he does. If he's preaching the Word of God, he's going to hit on something that you're dealing with. He's going to mention a problem that you're struggling with. And you know what? It's not by His design. It's by His design. God is speaking to you. Well, He's just a man. Well, so was the Apostle Paul. And we're reading the book of Thessalonians this morning. And we're receiving admonishment. And we believe that it's from the Lord. And God said that He set pastors and teachers over the local church. God said that. And so He's trying to help you, not hurt you. And if he steps on your toes, don't get mad and leave. He's not out to get you. You know what you need to do? If, if, the, if the pastor is preaching and he steps on your toes and he talks about that stuff that you've been dealing with all week long and it hurts and it feels like he just stomped on your foot not just stepped on it, you know what you ought to do? Amen, preacher, thank you. Amen, that's good. I was getting too close to the edge anyway. Thank you for the reminder. Amen. Thank God somebody's looking out for you. People go out from a church like this because they say there's no love and it's legalistic. 
By the way, I've reached a milestone in my ministry. I got called a legalist last week. Hallelujah. This has been a great month for me. This is, this is my two-year anniversary at Grace. I get to preach here, and I'm called a legalist. I mean, I'm just making it, I'm telling you. But people go out from a place like this, and they say, there's no love. It's legalistic. You know what? Loving leaders have rules. Just like your parents had rules because they loved you. People go out from a church like this because they say, well, there's, there's no liberty and there's, there's no freedom. And those same people who leave this place because they say there's no freedom in here, a year later they're so bound up in sin, they've messed themselves up, they've messed their family up, they've messed their whole life up. What kind of freedom is that? Doesn't sound like freedom to me. The Bible talks about those people in 2 Peter. It says this, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. I'm reading the wrong verse. That's okay. That's good. That's a good Bible verse though, wasn't it? Amen. It says right here, Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error while they promised them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. Somebody's getting, getting your ear. They're going to say, well, I, I've heard about white graves. I, I've heard that preacher. And they just, they're trying to run your life over there. Well, thank the Lord that somebody who loves Jesus Christ, thank the Lord that somebody who has devoted themselves to the study of the Scriptures wants to help you in your life. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. And I'm, I, 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 I want to recap real quick here. This is a great church. This is an excellent church. But don't get to the place. Don't get to the place where you think you don't need them anymore. Because when you think that you don't need them anymore, you're going to fall flat on your face. Don't get to the place to where you start being super critical of everything He does. Don't get to the place to where you think that what he says isn't authoritative over you anymore because you've got this whole Christian life figured out. Before you do all those things, in chapter 5, verses 14 through 22, he says, have respect for those that are over you. Heed them, know them, know their work, know their weakness, know their watchings, know their warnings. But I like what it says here in verse number 13. This is what this today is all about. Pastor appreciation. Verse number 13, the Bible says, And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. I like it says the word esteem. I think every word of God is pure, don't you? I don't think i got to change that word to make it say something else. It says esteem. It doesn't say exalt. It says Esteem. You know what? If we change that word esteem to exalt, you know what we're going to do to the pastor? We're going to set him up to fall. We're not supposed to exalt him. We are supposed to esteem him. We ought to think a whole lot about him. In 1 Timothy, the Bible says, Let the elders that will rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. I'm going to tell you a pet peeve of mine. Honestly, not for me, not for me. I'm nobody. 
I, I, when, I, when I say what I'm about to say, this is not about me. It's about Him. This is a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if you do it or not. I don't come to church here except for to preach when I'm booked, you know. I have a, a high asking price. So. <laughs> but I really mean this. I mean this. It's a pet peeve of mine. When we go into the jail, we say, yes, sir, officer. When we go into the jail, we say, yes, ma'am, officer. We acknowledge and we respect the office of those secular positions. And we call them by their proper title. We give them honor. How come... Now, listen, I'm not rebuking you this morning. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not telling you what to do. It's a general statement. But it's about him. How come we do that for everybody else? But the man that watches for your soul doesn't get that honor. You know, I don't got my phone on me. Thank the Lord I forgot my phone. We all need to learn how to forget our phones. If you go on my phone right now and you type in on my contact list, Will won't pull nobody up. He's not Will. He's Pastor. He's Pastor. That's, that's, that's my Pastor. And, and you know what? Even though I'm pastoring a church, that's my Pastor. And he's not just worthy of honor. He's worthy of double honor. And I'm not telling you what to do this morning. I'm just telling you that, that is a pet peeve of mine. Now, let's get back to the Scripture. Amen. Verse number 13. And to esteem them very highly in love. In love. He studies and teaches us the Word of God to prepare us to meet God. God, not just some little guy down the road, but God. He's, he's studying to help us meet God. That's a big deal. He is, he is preparing you to earn eternal rewards. That's way better than the rewards you're getting cash back on your credit card. Eternal rewards. You know how long eternity is? It's forever. He's studying to help you with that. And, and you know what? He's protecting you from the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's trying to keep you from injury. He's trying to equip you to help bring your family and your friends to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to love that man. You ought to love him. Yeah, esteem him. Esteem the office. Esteem the position. Called him by the proper title. Amen. I said I wasn't going to say that. I did say it. But you ought to love him. Love him. Love him. Care about him. Verse number 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Let's, let me just tell you this. Disrespect and discord will have a very big and a very negative effect on the efficiency and the effectiveness of his ministry. If he's going home at night and he can't sleep, because there's problems going on and you're giving him a headache and you're hurting his heart because you can't just seem to get in line with what's going on around here and you just want to be a hindrance to everything, you're going to mess his ministry up. 
Esteem him very highly in love for his work's sake. You want God to do more around here? You want God to, to, to make an immense impact in Ranger, Georgia? Love this man. Love him. You ought to. You have every reason to. It says, and be at peace among yourselves. Last part of verse number 13. Right here, there is a direct link between proper respect for a church's spiritual leadership and peaceful relations among the church's members. When we all acknowledge the God-ordained leadership in the church, when we follow and respect and fellowship with the pastor that is over us, when we esteem him, when we love him, there will be unity and peace because we're all going in the same direction. Amen? As I said before, there's a bunch of things that we ought to do. But a great church can only stay that way if it prioritizes great respect for its pastor. Now, it's voluntary. You don't have to. You ain't got to do it. He didn't say, now we exhort you. He says, we beseech you, brethren. Voluntary. But if you'll volunteer, you know what you're volunteering for? Perfection and peace. I wouldn't pass that up. Thank God for the man of God. Thank God for Pastor Allen. Thank the Lord for what he's doing through this fallible, sinful Man, he's, he's got all these handicaps that you, and you still deal with. And yet God is still using... That is so commendable. We ought to love Him. We ought to esteem Him very highly. You know what we ought to do? We ought to follow Him. Amen. I, I have a sneaking suspicion. Y'all already do all these things. I have a sneaking suspicion that you really love your pastor. I have a sneaking suspicion that you really care about him and that you, you want to make sure that he is in turn taken care of. But it's always good to be reminded, isn't it? We don't want to be like the Thessalonians and, and, and do great and then end up getting too big for our britches and then lose the God-ordained leadership that he's put over us and then fall flat on our face, do we? I'm going to ask you, church, will you pray? Will you come and show your appreciation to your pastor this morning? It's voluntary. Nobody's going to make you do it. But I'm telling you, if there's anything I want to volunteer with, I want to volunteer for loving my pastor. It's up to you this morning. I'm going. Are you?